If we do not drink good quality water and with frequency, there's literally no way we can function optimally. And it's literally like depression, fatigue, foggy thinking, inability to focus, allergies, like all of these different symptoms that we experience, so many people experience day to day, that literally if they just hydrated and drank good quality water, the symptoms would be gone. 80 to 90% of them would, if not all of them would be gone. So People take nothing else from this, but to drink good quality water and with more frequency, like half their body weight in ounces per day, uh, their life will change for the better. Hello, everyone. I'm Glenn Warren, and this is Homeospaces a podcast that strives for balance in all spaces of life. I'm really excited to be able to share with you today's guest, Dr. Carrie Jacobson. She's an amazingly talented and super smart holistic physician based in Chicago, Illinois, and has been a friend of mine for a very long time. In addition to being a licensed chiropractor, she supplements her practice with dozens of additional cutting-edge techniques to support people's health. Uh, These techniques integrate the full body nervous system, subconscious behavioral patterns, emotional programming, energy flows, and more. On a more personal level, she's really kind of the main person in my life who kicked off my journey of self-improvement. Our conversation today covers a wide range of really interesting topics, including energy, environments, the power of perception, pollution, illness, and and immune systems, the importance of good quality water, and how we can start to make a change in our own lives through practical, real-world, easily doable action steps. Now, before we get into the conversation, you're probably asking what a holistic doctor has to do with design and spaces. That's a good question. So let me give a little context because things have shifted a bit since I first conceived of this project. So when I first started homeospaces back in March, my primary focus was to learn more about the concepts of life-supporting design and biophilia, to discover how we can learn from nature, to design and build better environments that maximize support of human health and well-being, and minimize our human footprint, or more ideally, to contribute net positive to the planet. All the while, I also have a big passion for learning about and developing our internal spaces, our physical, emotional, and mental health and well-being. In other words, self-development. And 2020 has been a kick in the head in the self-development department, at least for me. Um, The internal work this year has been rough, and sitting with the often really painful, hard, and totally unexpected life lessons that 2020 has thrown at me has really changed and shifted a lot of areas of my life and my perception of things, which included my overall vision for this project. I've realized I've only been looking at one part of a much bigger, much more complicated story. And one major realization I've made is that no matter how well we design our buildings and environments, it can only do so much in the way of 
helping people live better lives. You know, it's up to us as individuals to do the work to reflect, design, build, manage, maintain, and be fully responsible for our own internal spaces to find the right balance that allows us to fully thrive so that when we do inhabit our well-designed physical spaces, that those environments are now supercharged in their ability to support our health because we're doing the other half of the work required. So the scope of homeospaces has expanded greatly. Now, not only are we going to look at how we can create a better world, but how we can create better selves. And when you boil everything down, the most basic principle emerges, which is when we take care of ourselves, we take care of the world. And my ultimate goal here is to be practical. You know, while I want to learn and educate, I don't want it to be all book smarts and theory. I want people in any profession and any walk of life to come away from these conversations with knowledge they can use in their lives right now and feel empowered to make a change. And Dr. Carey is one of those one-of-a-kind, magnetic, energetic, and real people that just draw you in and inspire you to really live. So grab a notebook and enjoy this enlightening deep dive conversation with Dr. Carrie Jacobson. Dr. Carrie, welcome. Hi, I'm so honored, honestly. I love I love being a part of almost any podcast and you know, reaching out to more people and being able to connect and educate. It's my passion. Well, I am so excited and truly grateful to have you as my first guest ever on this podcast and to be able to share this platform with you so you can bless even more people with your gifts and your knowledge. Um, I was thinking back, and I think we've known each other now since about 2008, so 12 years going on 13. Does that sound right? Yeah, so I graduated December of 06, so I think we've even known each other longer. (laughs) (laughs) Time is speeding up out of control. I don't even know what's going on anymore. But anyway, you were the one to introduce me to the big world of holistic medicine, which looks at mental, emotional, and spiritual health in conjunction with physical health, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so just to lay this out for everyone, holistic health is a much more integrative approach to all around well-being and just the art of being and gets to the nuts and bolts of all that complexity so we can see how beautiful and really powerful our bodies are naturally designed to be. And I have learned so much about integrated systems from you. And once I started seeing things that way, I really began to notice how interconnected everything in the world is including humans and the effects of our actions on the world. And of course, I always want to learn more. So in conjunction with how we design and build our physical environments to really optimize our human experience, we need to be considering how we're designing and building our own internal spaces, that is, our spiritual, emotional, mental, and physiological spaces. And so you are our internal spaces expert for today, who's going to help us explore what's going on inside and what we can do about it. So let's start by finding out more about you. You know, tell us about your background and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I actually started way back when as a musical theater girl. 
I was like singing and dancing and acting and from the time I was six years old. And sometime around sophomore year of my undergrad, which was at Indiana University Bloomington, I had this huge awakening awareness experience in the middle of an audition, which was kind of unfortunate, Oh no! Uh, but certainly got my attention that that just wasn't all that I wanted to do with my life and that I had so many other interests. And it was this like, oh my God, I'm not going to be on Broadway. That's not what I want to do, even though that's what I've thought I wanted to do for my whole life. So I was like grieving and sad and also kind of excited. And at my mom's suggestion of immersing myself into leadership type stuff, because quote, that's what I'm good at, she thought. I got in on to like off-campus senators. I became an off-campus senator. And then I became uh, the largest, one of the directors of the largest programming body on campus, which it was the largest programming body. And that ignited this event planner in me. So I, I realized I'm really good at logistical planning and all that stuff. So I learned a lot of the skill set to do that. And I performed with a cast up with people for a year out of college and really was able to use that logistical planning for the cast and and that kind of thing. It's just that while I was traveling on the road, it's really hard to stay grounded and rooted and just, I mean, you're literally in a different location every day and it was intense. And so I started tapping into the yoga that I had learned in undergrad and doing yoga and, and meditation was sort of grounding me. And when I came back, I had injured my knee and I'd always sort of seen a chiropractor because I was an athlete and a dancer. So I was always sort of injuring myself. And my mom was like, down the street, there's this Cairo, go check them out. And I ended up meeting a woman who was interning there, actually, who was my inspiration and fell into teaching yoga to her and then fell into teaching yoga and doing massage. I actually wasn't even certified to do either massage or yoga. I just thought if I had a business card, I was official. Uh, well, I think that's how a lot of us started. <laughs> totally. And my mom's like, I'll help you with marketing. I'll, we'll make a business card. And I was like, great, I'll be official. And I did really well, actually, doing massage therapy and yoga and teaching yoga. I just knew that that wasn't my life mission. It was sort of the transitional space. And in talking to this woman, Dr. Deidre Wagner, there were so many similarities. She was 10 years my senior, and I could see myself in her and I think her and me, we even had, I think we had like we're two days apart on birthdays and almost in the same breath of me saying I could never do all that science and become a chiropractor. I was literally signing up for pre-med prerequisites to like go back to school to become a chiropractor. And what inspired that was a technique that she utilized called applied kinesiology. But anyway, that's really how I, I mean, literally 180 from musical theater girl to doctor, <laughs> you know, by the time I was, I think, 27, I think I was 27 when I graduated from Cairo School. I see. So after that, you've gone on to learn all sorts of additional techniques that are all sort of based around applied kinesiology. Yeah. And I guess just to expand applied kinesiology is looking at what we refer to as the triad of health. And so if you could imagine a triangle where the base of it is structure, the other two sides is emotional and biochemical. So the food and the fuel that we put into our body affect how we function, the stress that we experience, the emotions that we experience affect how we function, as well as the structure equally, like an equilateral triangle, they equally can impact 
the holistic balance of our being. So I think that is where you and I are meeting up, where I can Mm -hmm. offer some insight. Sure. And it also ignited me to learn so much more and to become certified in so many techniques so that I could specifically meet people and look at what's going on on each aspect of the triad and do justice for each side, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about your practice. When I moved back to Chicago, I started working with Dr. Darren Weissman for like three and a half years and had a vision to open up a center that would really create conscious community and not just chiropractic, but all the other things that often people need. Uh, It's called Be Optimal Holistic Health Center, and it's in Glenview, Illinois. And it started with me, a massage therapist and a psychotherapist. And it has expanded to, I've got another chiropractic kinesiologist, a holistic esthetician, so people can learn about how to care for their skin, a foot detox lady, a Chinese medicine doctor, a dietitian, a reflexologist. So in total, I think there's seven practitioners right now at our center. Wow. So you've got quite a production going on there that covers a pretty wide array of treatments and specialties to help patients on their journeys. So how would you describe what you do to somebody who may not be familiar with your specific area of expertise? Well, the difference between just a regular chiropractor and somebody practicing chiropractic kinesiology is that we use muscle testing as a diagnostic tool. It's not necessarily to replace, you know, just double checking and triple checking your work through what's called palpation and really being able to feel what's going on in the body. The muscle testing is used as a guide. Okay, so how does that work? A lot of the work is backed by quantum physics and that everything's energy. You can be totally impacted and affected just watching two people fight. If you see them fight, it could really upset you. It could be a a difficult thing. You you don't even know what they're fighting about. You don't know the circumstances, but you feel the energy of it. Mm -hmm. And it's the same as when you see a loving connection where it just moves you and you feel the love a lot of times. Sometimes it's indescribable. You are around a friend and whenever you're around that friend, you just feel the best or the opposite. Sometimes it's just really rough to be around that particular person. It's like a drain. And it's not because of anything that they do or say, it's specifically energy. There's energy exchanges happening all the time. We just don't realize it. We're not aware of it all the time. So a lot of my work is really looking at each individual. There's no cookie cutter approach. It's really about meeting the individual where they are and looking at not to fix the symptom, but to recognize that the symptom is the smoke signal to let us know that there is a fire somewhere. Look for the root cause. So in quantum physics, you know, you open a door, it can open a door to another door to open an order door to another door and so on until you really find what's going on behind that door, if you will. So it can be this sort of maze of complexity because we're very complex beings and it's really looking to find root cause of why those smoke signals are there. Why, why the body is expressing with symptoms of whatever it may be, headaches, digestive issues, things like that. Yes, and quantum physics is an absolutely fascinating field that can totally melt your mind because you can very quickly get into the weeds of all that complexity. But speaking to awareness of energy, have you always been able to sense that or was that something you experienced and learned to develop over time? You know, I think we all have the ability and access to that. I'm sure that I did on some level as a kid. It wasn't really fostered though. And 
I remember right as I was deciding to go to chiropractic school, I met this guy who apparently was clairvoyant, meaning he could, you know, he knew like things that would happen or whatever. More like psychic? He, he It was like he was a psychic kind of thing. And it freaked my sister out. And for me, I got curious, you know, mm-hmm. and he would do this work um, based out of Suf- Sufism, putting light into the heart or whatever you want to call it. Okay. And I literally had no idea what he was doing. All I knew is that it would move me to tears and I would feel so much better after. But that was the beginning of me really beginning consciousness around what energy feels like. And on some level, sometimes I feel like it's a little bit of like fake it till you make it because I thought he was a little bit crazy. I was like, I don't know what this guy, but he couldn't, it couldn't be nothing because I felt something. Right. I just didn't know what I was feeling. I just experienced the repercussion of this incredible amount of love coming into my heart, this sort of light energy that he would describe. And he would describe things moving out of me. And I was like, that's cool. But I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. That's weird, crazy. So it was from that point, I would say it's been, you know, over 20 years that I really began this conscious awareness and effort to develop the sensation and the feeling. And the more that I'm in clinical practice, the more I see patterns of it, the more I see and feel some of the different energies that happen. But that did, that was not right away. I had no idea what this guy was talking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since we met and we started working together, I can tell a difference in myself. You know, I've become much more in tune and sensitive to energy around me from other people, from spaces, and all sorts of things. And energy is really important when it comes to designing physical spaces, right? So people talk about the energy of a home, a building, or a landscape, and what they're really talking about is how the space makes them feel on an emotional and spiritual level. There's this unseen communication there between the space itself and the observer that people can just feel in their gut. It's it's the basis for the practice of feng shui and all of its rules, which feng shui is an art of trying to find the optimal balance and flow of energy in and through any given space. And, you know, all sorts of things affect the energy of a space, including materials, textures, lighting, color, temperature, layout, uh, line of sight, size, scale, and on and on. So that's what we're familiar with regarding energy in physical spaces. But in terms of the human body and well-being, I'm curious how you define energy and what its role is. Yeah, Glenn. Um, it's so true. When you walk into a space immediately, you can feel really good or like, Ugh, right. It can absolutely shift a mood and feel open and like you can breathe bigger or like you feel like you're suffocating, get me out of this place. So there is such a parallel to that and what happens internally and truly how we're impacted by different energies or experiences it's difficult to define energy without me like going and reading a definition. You know what I mean? Sure. There are ways that we do respond to it. So to back up a little bit in applied kinesiology, we're looking at how everything is interconnected. Okay. And it's interconnected some 
physically and some more energetic like qi or the meridians in Chinese medicine. And actually it's really integrated in Chinese medicine, which is that the meridians are energy centers that run specific lines through our body from head to toe, mostly. Some are from head down the arm or head all the way down to the toes. And so let's say somebody comes in and they've got a mid-back pain. And let's just say I'm just putting on a chiropractic hat, not an applied kinesiology hat. And let's say it's T8, thoracic spine number eight. And I adjust it and they come back a couple days later and that same spot hurts and I adjust it and they come back a week later and it still hurts and I adjust it. My thinking as a chiropractic kinesiologist is to say, probably not a structural problem. So in applied kinesiology, we're looking at what is the connection to all of the different things in our body? What is that holistic energetic connection? So T8 is associated with the liver. The liver in Chinese medicine is associated with emotions of anger and resentment, depression, frustration. And that also in turn, the liver is also associated to muscles. So that vertebrae, part of the spine, is associated with a muscle, the pec major sternal, which is near our chest. And it's associated with an organ and it's associated with a emotion. And so what came first and how can you get it all balanced and what actually triggered it out of place in the first place? Because what we're working with most of the time in this work is the subconscious part of the brain. And the subconscious part of the brain is like 95 to some would say 98% of our brain. And that subconscious part of our brain is below our awareness. And it's made up of two aspects. It's made up of the reptilian brain, which is all about survival. And we humans are survival the fittest. And it's made of the limbic brain, which is our emotional reality. And what we work with is this idea that the brain doesn't know the difference between emotional reality and reality or fantasy in reality, which is why sometimes we can read a book or watch a movie and it impacts us and triggers us in really deep ways, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. So what really happened? What triggered it? Well, ultimately, everything's energy. A force in, a force out. This table that this computer is sitting on is made of energy or molecules that make up the way this table feels. So every part of us is energy and is impacted by the output and input of the energies that are always happening around us, which is why we can have an instantaneous feeling because it triggers that limbic part of our brain, that emotional, why we can walk into a space and feel a certain feeling, why we can hang out with a group of friends and feel a certain feeling, why we can get triggered by family interactions or whatever it may be. And then it triggers a physiological response sometimes. And the goal is not that we're ever going to change the emotion, but that we can take the charge off, that energetic charge off of the person so that they don't necessarily have that physiological response. I see. And man, (laughs) there, there is so much to consider in the detective work that you have to do because there are so many systems functioning all at once and so many input and output variables to look at, as you were saying. And the human body is made up of a huge number of systems. I mean, it is its own ecosystem, which leads me to the next topic I'd like to talk about, which is environments. But before we dive in, I want to give a little example story. Are you familiar with the story of wolves in Yellowstone National Park? I believe so, actually. Okay, well, to bring everyone else up to speed, basically... It was discovered that wolves are what's called a keystone species, which means that 
in their absence, the ecosystem they were a part of falls way out of balance and goes into a state of collapse. So when wolves were hunted to extinction in Yellowstone, the park's ecosystem very quickly began to degrade. So I want to read from an article I came across that kind of uh, summarizes this pretty well. After they were gone, the moose population increased five times and ravaged the woody vegetation, which birds need to nest. As a result, several bird species were eliminated in the park. Wolves also benefit other animals like scavengers. Because they hunt down their prey, wolves leave leftovers behind that are the key source of food for a number of other species, such as ravens, magpies, bald eagles, golden eagles, weasels, mink, lynx, cougar, grizzly bear, chickadees, masked shrew, great gray owl, and more than 445 species of beetle. So all those species are benefited just from a wolf's leftover dinner. It goes on to say, deer and elk congregate in smaller groups when wolves are present, which helps reduce the risk of transmission of illnesses in the herd. They are also forced to run faster and farther. As the elk run, their hooves aerate the soil, allowing more grasses to grow. Since wolves are hunting them, the elk cannot remain stationary for too long, and as a result, aspens and willows in one area are not heavily grazed and therefore can fully cover between migrations. And there's a lot more to the story, but my point is, is that the insides of our bodies are no different, right? So each system, each bacteria, each enzyme, each protein all have different roles to play. And when they don't play those roles or they're somehow eliminated through diet, uh, medication, or a toxin, then the negative effects of that missing link cascades through the whole system. Now, we know the human body is amazingly resilient and has built-in backstops and circuit breakers, all that stuff to compensate when things like this happen, but that can only last so long before other problems start to show up like an endless game of whack-a-mole. So what are the basics we need to be aware of and pay particular attention to when it comes to regulating and elevating our health? I love that story. I absolutely wrote an entire report on it. I was a uh, <laughs> Okay. I had my Bachelor of Science in Recreation Park Management. Really? I had no idea. Yeah. And I love the concept of the ecosystem. And one of the things that I'm being called to share is that it takes 13 months for your entire body to regenerate. And what I mean by that is that we really are set to regenerate and heal. That's the beautiful innate intelligence of our physical body. And the 13 months is down to the bone marrow. But like in three months, every cell in your liver is brand new. Now that is assuming that our body has been cared for enough to regenerate, to get to that place where we can essentially be the fountain of youth, you know, you see some 60 and 70 year olds that can run circles around 20 year olds. They have more energy than, than 20 and 30 year olds and others that are, can barely walk or get out of bed in the morning. So what's the difference? You know, and I, and I tell a story of two guys, same age, um, love skiing and they go skiing and they see this really cool area in the forest. And this one guy goes through it and he hits a tree and he falls and he gets up 
and he's just like, man, that sucked. You know, he brushes off the snow and gets his skis back on and he keeps going. The other guy goes in there and he hits a tree and he falls over and he cannot get up and he's got to be helicoptered out. He's broken several bones. He's bruised. He's a disaster. And my question is, what's the difference between the two? They, they had the same accident. The only difference was the condition they were in prior to skiing. It's never about the accident itself or the thing that happens right then and there that a lot of times people will blame. It has to do with your capacity to handle stress and the, the amount of stress level that your body actually has. So the question is, what's your capacity and how stressed are you really on a structural, biochemical and emotional level? And if you're overflowing past your capacity, you're not doing so hot. That's usually when symptoms are happening. And that's what the condition is of the guy that ended up having to be helicoptered out. So your question really to me is, how can we raise our capacity to be able to handle stress, minimize injuries, get our body regenerating, get ourselves feeling amazing. Yes, that that is what I meant to ask. <laughs> <laughs> and what I generally liken that to are what I refer to as the five basics. Okay. So our body's made of 70 to 90% water. If we do not drink good quality water and with frequency, there's literally no way we can function optimally. So what does that look like when we don't drink enough water? There's a guy, I can't think of his name. He's, I believe, from India. It's a really long name that I couldn't even do justice pronouncing, but it's called Your Body's Many Cries for Water. You're not sick, you're just thirsty. And it's literally like depression, fatigue, foggy thinking, inability to focus, allergies, like all of these different symptoms that we experience, so many people experience day to day. That literally, if they just hydrated and drank good quality water, the symptoms would be gone. 80 to 90% of them would, if not all of them would be gone. So water, 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 so very important. Um, if people take nothing else from this, but to drink good quality water and with more frequency, like half their body weight in ounces per day, uh, their life will change for the better. I see. So in relation to the Yellowstone story, you would say that water is a keystone element for the body? Full-fledged, 100% is the wolf. <laughs> you know, people could live on water alone for weeks and weeks, even if they didn't have nourishment or food. Really? For months. In three or four days, they would be done if they didn't have water. We can't survive and certainly not thrive without water. And then with regards to the nourishment and what to eat, um, generally speaking, I tell people stay away from, this sounds so awful, but the five pillars of death. <laughs> and the reason Whoa. why I say that is because inflammation is, I would say, the keystone to illness. So avoiding wheat or gluten, even if you're not celiac, even if you don't think you have an allergy to it, wheat and corn are two of the highest sprayed crops out there with Roundup, you know, glyphosate. And glyphosate blocks our ability to absorb nutrition. And what I would say is that our body just hasn't progressed as fast as science. It doesn't know how to get rid of it. Not as as we put it into our body. And so what it does is it wreaks havoc on the liver and it wreaks havoc in our body by creating tons of inflammation. And what I generally will say is that even if you're not, don't have an allergy to it, many, if not most of us have an intolerance or an, a sensitivity where one plus one doesn't seem to equal to because it doesn't show up right away. But a month or two months or a year or years of eating, all of a sudden you've got arthritic experiences and your gut health is terrible and you don't realize that actually, or acne, I see all kinds of acneic issues in teens and, and college kids where, yeah, it's hormonal, but it's like 
we're talking big acne issues that are really uncomfortable and can injure the skin as well. That literally by taking out wheat and gluten and corn in many cases can heal the person. Dairy would would go with that. Uh, cow's milk is injected with so many different hormones. And if you really look at it, there's pus and blood and all kinds of stuff. And it's, it's not clean. It's actually meant for calves to become cows. So it makes us big and puffy and inflamed and it's not healthy. You know, there's all kinds of research and Weston Price talks a lot about raw milk, but that's not pasteurized and some of the health benefits that come with that. But it's illegal in most states to have raw milk because it can have bacteria and things like that. And ultimately, the way that the cows are treated now and the mass production of it has to have all kinds of hormones put into it and antibiotics and all these different things that wreak havoc in our system without us realizing it because that cheese tasted so good and that you know, yogurt, yum, yum to start my day every day with, um, you know, it, it, it begins to wreak havoc on the system. Again, even if there's not an allergy to it and you don't see digestive issues, for me, what I notice is sinus congestion. That's how it shows up in my body. So everybody expresses the imbalance differently, but it does begin over time to chronically wreak havoc and create inflammation. So Sugar, processed sugar is very inflammatory. It's extremely addicting. And the problem with sugar is, and, the, and, and by the way, I just read this um, because I'm creating this program, which I know we'll get to, but I was just reading about sugar in the food industry and how impacted the sugar industry has been in the last 10 years because people are really awakening to more of the paleo and the keto and you know eating more healthfully. And it's it's taken a little bit of a toll on the sugar and junk food industry. The soda industry in particular. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think I know anyone who regularly drinks soda anymore. Right. It's all just sparkling water, which is great. It's amazing, although, you know, too much sparkling water is not so great either. Dang it. Um, for our digestion. But it is really a an incredible shift from soda drinking. It's true. I mean, you walk into different corporations and businesses and they've put healthier options instead of vending machines with soda, they've got a vending machine that gives you, you know, cucumber flavored water or, you mm -hmm. know, so it's an interesting thing because any kind of, you know, natural disaster pandemic, they maximize on it with their advertising. And the thing is, is that that addiction portion in our brain is right next to the pain center. And so it's like we're in pain when we don't have it. I mean, when we really start to, you know, let's call it we're in the holiday season right now. So Halloween right off because you buy candy. Oh, yeah. Right. For all the people that are going to trick or treat. <laughs> right. It, it's for the kids. It's for the kids. Yeah. Right. But every time you pass the bowl, you take a piece of candy for yourself or three. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, every time you get up for your little work break, uh, I'll take another couple. Yeah. It's easy. It's there. Yeah. It's there. So you're going to eat it and it adds up and it just starts the addiction. And once you're in that, it feels so painful to get out people literally have flu-like symptoms when they get off of sugar, when they're totally addicted. It's, really? it's an intense, intense thing. So it's easier said than done. That's for sure. So that's four. The fifth would be soy. So we're wheat, corn, dairy, cow's milk, 
processed sugar, and soy. And the research done on soy was done on fermented soy, which when eaten tastes absolutely disgusting, let's be honest. (laughs) And soy in general was meant to be a a condiment. It wasn't meant to be a protein replacement, and it's an incomplete protein in and of itself. Unfermented soy actually uh, affects our estrogen, and it impacts negatively your thyroid. So it's just not a great choice for vegetarians and vegans to choose as a protein substitute, because what I mean by saying that it's an incomplete protein is that it doesn't offer all of the essential amino acids that the human body needs, especially when you're not from Asia. And what I mean by that is that generation upon generation of folks that are from India and different areas where they have been generationally upon generation upon generation, vegetarians and vegans, their bodies actually figured out a way to create all the essential amino acids. But they don't need to eat meat or other things that give you those essential amino acids. And amino acids, the complete essential, meaning you have to eat it to get it, and unessential, meaning your body creates it, the complete amino acid chain is what is the building block of our body. So in order for our neurotransmitters, the things that make us happy or sad, serotonin, dopamine, things like that, the things that actually keep our body communicating and functioning, we need those things. So soy is not a great replacement on that. So really, those are the five things I say be careful with. And the things I would say focus on eating are protein, you know, good grass-fed beef, fish, wild fish, you know, things where imagine living off the land. If you were to live off the land and you could hunt it or get it wild, right? hormone-free, antibiotic-free, grass-fed, hunter-gatherer, so to speak, gather your fruits, your vegetables, your ancient grains, you know, things like that. Those are the things that are going to be amazing for the system, inclusive of good quality fats, avocados and olives and coconut and things like that. So in terms of really laying the platform and the foundation to create the inner ecosystem to function in terms of the nourishment that we need and to keep ourselves really connected. Those are the things that we need to focus on avoiding and focus on eating. Okay. I think I'm going to have to listen to this again myself and take notes. It's a lot to take notes. It is a lot, but it's really important knowledge that we can use. It's empowering. You know, it's like what Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. Yeah. And another way we can know better and do better is by getting clear on the power of perception and how it relates to both our health and our environments because they're both so tightly integrated. So to paint the picture, I'd like to discuss the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton, who I know you're very familiar with, as his discoveries provide a major foundation for a lot of the work you do. So... Dr. Bruce Lipton is a cell biologist and researcher who's famous for discovering that our perceptions and beliefs about our environments have a direct effect on our health and the expression of our DNA. And if you haven't read his book, The Biology of Belief, I highly recommend checking it out. To give a quick overview, in his experiment, he took one stem cell and allowed it to multiply to the point where he had a bunch of identical stem cells that all came from the same base cell. He took those stem cells and distributed them evenly into three different Petri dishes, and each dish had a different culture medium, and 
the culture medium to a cell is like the world we live in. It's got the air, the water, the food, all the things in it. So three different environments, yet genetically identical cells in each dish. And the results revealed that in the first environment, the cells form muscle. In the second, they form bone. And in the third, they form fat cells. So what was so profoundly important about this is if you ask the question, what is responsible for controlling the fate of the cells? The answer is the environment. So this experiment directly challenged the long accepted assumption of genetic determinism, which is that genes control our fate and our lives. Instead, this experiment revealed that it is the environment that is primarily responsible for shaping the behavior of genetics. Now, another major thing he discovered was that the body's cells fully rely on chemicals and signals sent from the brain to know what's going on outside the body through the protein receptors. And the, as you said before, the brain can't tell the difference between the experience of a memory, a fantasy, or a reality. So when we remember or experience something joyful, our brain produces chemicals that flow through the body to match that experience or memory. So the cells in the body have protein receptors to receive the message from the brain that, hey everyone, we're experiencing joy. Well, the same thing happens, of course, when we remember a traumatic experience that makes us feel a strong negative emotion like fear. The brain then produces chemicals that tell the body that you're experiencing fear and to alter the internal environment to be ready to react, defend, flee, or fight. So, for example, in fear, digestion is shut down to push blood to our arms and legs uh, so we can fight or run. So he's made some really fascinating discoveries, and I'd love it if you could expand upon it and share how his work has impacted the work that you do in your practice. It's in incredible, actually. And I would expand on that to say that there are hundreds of thousands of stimuli that trigger us into physiological responses. So obvious ones would be like, I walk into a room and this music's playing and it's a song and I'm like, oh my God, this is my eighth grade dance when I was dancing with that guy in the gym. And immediately I'm in the experience of dancing in eighth grade in the gymnasium at the whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Or I smell someone cooking something. So our senses can trigger it quite a bit. Someone kind of like, oh my God, that's when my grandma used to make and I'm in her kitchen and now I can smell as if I was in her kitchen. So that's that space where like our neocortex, the logical part of our brain, the conscious part of our brain, that's the two to 5% has a linear timeline where the rest of it doesn't have a timeline. Right. So your body and all the systems taking direction from the brain are all behaving as if they are literally living that moment. Yeah. So that is amazing in terms of there are stimuli that we recognize very consciously, like, oh my God, grandma's or eighth grade dance. And then there are other times where we're like, I don't even know why, but like all of a sudden I'm in the worst mood. I just got into the worst mood or out of nowhere, I, it's like my tummy hurts or I feel nervous. I feel really anxious or nervous, but I, I don't feel like anything happened. And what I would say is that there's hundreds of thousands of stimuli that trigger us and we just don't know what we don't know until we know it. 
And that's part of what the work is that I do is to sort of bring about that awareness, whether it's not about reliving something, but it's about bringing it to an awareness within the body, whether it's in the neocortex logical part of the brain or not, doesn't really matter for healing to happen. We just need to bridge the gap between what keeps happening and what doesn't. And with regards to Bruce Lipton, I mean, his experiment also looked at what's the brain of the cell. And everyone believed that the nucleus was the brain of the cell. And what he discovered is that when he removed the nucleus from the cell, the cell completely continued to function without any problem. When he removed the Goji tendon of the cell, same thing, just kept functioning. It wasn't until he removed the protein receptors of the cell that everything died instantaneously. And what he discovered in his research is that it's the protein receptors that are literally the brain of the cell. And this coupled with Candace Pert, who's a researcher and wrote a book called Molecules of Emotion, she discovered that the protein receptors are what carry the emotional memory. So the protein receptors are literally what triggers what you were talking about, that chemical reaction or response in the body mm -hmm. that then creates the physiological response. Ah, okay. And one of the techniques that I practice called neuroemotional technique literally taps into what's called neuroemotional complexes. And those are literally stored on the protein receptors of the cell to literally bring those up and use the meridian system, Chinese medicine, right? Tapping along the spine and different sequences for that, that particular emotion, which is associated with that particular organ based on whatever the muscle test guides to show us. And it literally shifts or neutralizes the charge that that neuroemotional complex is creating in terms of the chemical reaction so that you no longer have to have that physiological response to something. So where let's say like my dad used to be a huge trigger for me, I call him my best teacher. So he would trigger me all the time. Now I can be around my dad and he just doesn't trigger me. It, I can be around him. I can appreciate him. It doesn't mean I always agree with him, but it doesn't create a physiological response for me. It doesn't make me angry. It doesn't make my head feel like it's going to explode. It doesn't make me sick to my stomach or whatever it may be to be around him when we disagree on something, as opposed to the part of me way back when, before I knew about this work that would go from zero to defending myself about like something so silly, but he was just being him, right? It just was tapping every one of my, you know, triggers and buttons. We all have them with different people more so than others. And so it's literally like what Bruce Lipton was saying is like the, the genetic code is the blueprint, but just because you throw, if I had blueprints for a piece of land and I threw them on to the land, the building wouldn't just get built it would take lots of time. It would take contractors and engineers and wood and steel and windows and glass and all the different things to build. It would take months to years before that blueprint could actually show up. And what that equates to in our body is that if the blueprint is there, just because mom has high blood pressure doesn't mean I have to have high blood pressure. It just depends on how I care for my body. Do I meditate to help my body stay calmer, to be more grounded? Am I exercising in a way that isn't about escaping and numbing out, but rather to literally reconnect more deeply with my body and to keep my body healthy? Because there's a healthy way of working out and, and not. You know, some people push their heart way past what's healthy for their body. And 
other people, you know, just do it to, to go low and slow and like slow and steady wins the race, so to speak. Right. We build our, our heart muscle like we would any other muscle, you know, to really support our body to a state of health. Because you can be physically fit and not healthy and you can be healthy and not physically fit. So we want both, right? Yes, of course. And so I love Bruce Lipton's work because it literally gives the evidence for actually the literal work that I do in my office, both his work with Candace Pert's work. Yeah, I love it. Oh, man. Me too. It's like being able to see the code of the matrix or something, like some sort of secret. So can you go into some more detail on how our perceptions of our environment and beliefs about ourselves really affect us emotionally, psychologically, and physically? So you had mentioned like the fight or flight. Yes. And I had mentioned that idea that all of a sudden you could just get into this anxious place as if you're being chased by a bear. (laughs) So I literally have a technique that I use called total body modification called grizzly bear, where some people walk in and it's like, it's as if they're living every day, 24 seven, they can't sleep very well. So that's how it translates, right? They can't sleep very well. They can't seem to calm down at night all day, every day, they're constantly on the go. They're not really breathing deeply. It's very short, like shortness of breath or like quick paced breath where they're not oxygenating their body fully. And I call it grizzly bear. And you put them literally in a something that can help turn on the parasympathetic nervous system. So- Okay, real quick, what is that? The sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight. Okay, sympathetic is fight or flight. Your parasympathetic nervous system is rest and digest. Okay, parasympathetic rest and digest, got it. So we wanna be able to digest our food, absorb our nourishment and nutrition so that we can feel energy, we can feel our vibrancy. And more often than not nowadays, a lot of people are very exhausted. And then what do they do? Between two and four o'clock, it's like, oh my God, I need to close my eyes, but I can't. Let me get a big extra large glass of caffeinated something or Red Bull, or how about a few donuts that will boost you right up and crash you <laughs> right down in about 30 to 60 minutes. Yep. And so what do you need? Another donut and a cup of caffeine to keep it going. And so much of that it overrides the system that really wants to fire up your rest and digest because your blood sugar is flying high, then low, then high, then low. And we just can't find that healthy, happy medium. So the goal obviously is to be able to be fearful when we need to be fearful because someone actually is holding us at gunpoint. Okay. That would be a great response to be fearful at that moment. Um, (laughs) Yes. But Waking up, going to work, uh, taking a walk, whether it's at night or during the day, that's not necessarily recipe for fear. And yet a lot of us still are in that state where it's we're in grizzly bear as if we need to be in fight or flight, like we're being chased by a grizzly. And that becomes exhausting. It exhausts our system. It exhausts what, what are called the adrenal glands that help us manage and handle stress. It helps us balance those nervous systems, the sympathetic and parasympathetic. It helps us balance our blood sugar. It helps us balance our blood pressure. So oftentimes when people stand up too quickly and they go, oh man, I'm so lightheaded. I, I might pass out. Oh, okay. I'm good. Uh, that is a blood pressure issue. And usually from too much stress for too long of a time. So again, might not be so noticeable initially, but over time, over years of living that way, it can really start to mess with us, you know? Yeah. And be the source of a lot of disease and discomfort, I imagine. So 
just to make sure I'm getting this, the parasympathetic state is when we actually have a chance to regenerate, recharge our batteries, and heal, correct? Right. When we rest, we restore. I was talking about the five basics, and I got to water and food, and then I stopped because I was talking for so long. Um, <laughs> but okay. Really, the, the other three are rest, and when we rest, we restore. That's when we regenerate. Like you think about babies, they, they're all the time sleeping because they're growing miles per minute. Literally, it's insane how fast babies, you know, you blink in, in one week, they're like, oh my God, they're another size bigger, right? And they're sleeping all the time so that their body can regenerate. If you're not sleeping, you're not regenerating, you're left feeling irritable and unable to really have a capacity to handle life. And then everything bothers you, you know? And then exercise was the other and owning your power because owning your power is really speaking your truth and living your passion. And if you're not doing that, then you can't really get out of bed to live your life because you're not really psyched about it. Then you're probably not too psyched about preparing food. When, when we're in that kind of state where we just don't feel passion for life, none of this stuff seems to even matter. So to me, that's just as important as drinking good quality water, you know? Of course. Uh, so I want to review the five basics again. Can you can you lay those out? Okay. Water. Water. Food. Food. Rest. Rest. Exercise. Exercise. And owning your power. And owning your power. All with quality, quantity, and frequency. Got it. And, you know, just talking a little bit about the energy, like the concept of energy and water, mm-hmm. a great reference and resource for folks to check out would be the research of a Japanese researcher called Masuru Umoto. And he basically hypothesized that water has consciousness and found that his hypothesis really proved to be true. And it had also to do with similar to Bruce Lipton's experiment was that different environments really impacted water and water's consciousness and different stimuli like music or words, whether the words were written or spoken it impacted the way that the water in this jar versus that jar, that Petri dish looked on a dark field microscope and dark field microscopy looks at something while it's still living. So looking at like the living water and if we are 70 to 90% water, wouldn't we then be impacted in a similar fashion and in a similar way? And that's basically what he, what he discusses in his couple of books and in all the different research that he did. It's fascinating to see the water crystals change from Mozart to Bach to heavy metal. The heavy metal crystal waters actually fall apart and look similar to that of polluted water. And no judgment on whatever that stimuli is. It just is what it is. But then how is it impacting our body? How is it impacting our environment when we're listening to the news and all they're talking about are violence and things that are scary? It's impacting us. It's a, it's Everything is vibration or energy, as he was saying, you know, so it all has a different vibration, the words in the Bible, the words in the Torah, the words of a song, the words, it, they all have different vibrations. And how do those vibrations impact the consciousness of water, or the the cellular level of the human being, or so and so on and so forth, which is made up of majority water. So just so cool when you really start to look at it and then you can visually see the picture of that, it gives perspective of literally what energy is and like how it can affect us. Right. It's it's a wake up call to realize the level of responsibility and awareness you need to have 
when you realize that you in fact are 80% water, and if all these external stimuli can have such a big impact on the water in those jars, then, well, I gotta be really mindful about the kinds of things I'm taking into my body and exposing myself to on a daily basis, right? Right, the type of water we drink, you know, maybe bless your water before you drink it. I don't know, give it love. <laughs> Why not? I'm sure it can't hurt. Can't hurt, right? I know. So not only does the perception of our environment affect our health, but also the pollutants, which I believe we touched on briefly earlier. Um, I would venture to guess that pollution is probably the number one issue of our time. You know, we all want healthier environments to live, work, play, and enjoy our communities in, and we certainly can't survive with a sick planet. And heavy pollution can devastate our immune systems and can create environments for super diseases to develop. And if you look at where COVID has had its most devastating effects, it's primarily been in areas of the world with high pollution, like bigger, denser cities. And of course, there's a myriad of ways that we can extrapolate and look at that data and ask questions like, is that because of the closer proximity of people being together that's increasing transmission? Or is it because of weakened immune systems of these people that live in the city from all the air noise and light pollution and increased levels of stress? I would venture to guess it's a mixture of everything. So just as with the external environment, our own internal environment uh, can get polluted with toxins of all kinds, including subconscious toxic thought patterns and behaviors. So I'm curious if you have any insight on some ways that we are toxifying our bodies and minds that we may not necessarily be aware of. Yeah, I was just talking to a friend yesterday. She was like, I don't understand why someone's got to go on a walkabout and leave, you know, to find themselves. Why can't they just do it here? And I said, you know, sometimes when we get into our everyday, we get into patterns and habits that are not honoring of connecting to nature, source, spirit, ourselves, whatever you want to call it, however you want to move with it. And by removing ourselves from our environment, like when we went to Norway and Iceland, the amount of connection to nature was nowhere near what I get when I'm in Chicago. It was every moment of every day, the vibrancy of the grass made you feel alive. It was so, it was like neon green, you know, it just impacts us. So how much, how often, how much time are you spending connecting literally to mother earth, right? Because it's all energy. There's an exchange. It's like our junk is mother earth's nourishment on some level, meaning like our human junk. So like poop is fertilizer for right mother earth, where it's toxic to us if it were to stay inside of us, or if we were to take it in internally, where carbon dioxide is our output. The output of mother earth is oxygen. And that's what inputs and gives us life. But carbon dioxide is what gives Mother Earth life. So there's this incredible exchange that happens on a literal scientific level, as well as an energetic level. So if all we're surrounded with are electromagnetic frequencies, our computer, TVs, sleeping with 
the phone next to our head, which is emitting, whether we're using it or not, electromagnetic frequencies that can start to burn our brain out, <laughs> literally. Um, especially with, you know, 5G coming in, it's, it's, they liken it to, you know, everyone freaks out about standing in front of a microwave and how don't stand in front of a microwave, it could cause cancer. 5G is, I think, five to 10 times the amount of that of running a microwave all the time. And we're going to be holding that next to our head ah, for <laughs> real? from 5G. So we've got to be aware that the things that are in our environment in that way impact our health and our vibrancy and our vitality, especially when we're not revitalizing in nature, the thing that gives us like our source energy, more oxygen, more breath. So meditation, you know, stopping for two people going, it's so hard. I can't calm my, my brain down, you know, and it isn't about that. It's just about stopping for a minute to take a deep breath and maybe take a few steps away from the traffic. You know, my husband is, as you know, is a meditation guy. Yep. Reverend Daryl Jones, amazing human being. And that's what he does. He guides and teaches meditation. He calls meditation his medication. And he said to me once, it isn't about stopping your thoughts. It would be like standing at the tip of a highway where the cars are racing by you, you know, like crazy miles per hour every second. Very overwhelming if you were standing right at the edge of that highway. You could not take your eyes off of those cars because they might swerve and you may have to jump out of the way if you even can in time, that kind of thing, right? And it certainly would be impacting our physiology. So what's meditation? He said, taking 10 steps away from that highway where those cars are still going by, but now you can move your attention elsewhere. Now you can pay attention to something else. Now you might be able to take a deeper breath. Now you might be able to recognize some other things that are going on around in your environment that you wouldn't have noticed otherwise. And I just thought that was so brilliant because we're never going to stop the cars going down a highway, right? Not really. We're never going to stop our thoughts, but if we can step back for a moment, then we can take in what's really happening in our, in our environment a little bit more deeply and make some different choices. So instead of reacting, we're able to be grounded and respond. And I think that's huge. Those are some of the things that actually can help us be more balanced, that can help us sleep better, that can help us then make different choices in terms of what we eat. Because if we're reacting because we forgot to prepare food and plan and look at our environment and see what's actually there, but the first thing that's in front of us is Dunkin' Donuts. But actually, if we went a half a block down the street, we could maybe get a salad, mm -hmm. right? So it just, right. And so instead of constantly being in reaction, that's ultimately like really impacting the pollution of our internal environment, the, the food choices, the technology, you know, people don't think about like, you've got to put your phone on airplane mode or put it out of your room. And some take it as far as literally turning off the Wi-Fi when you sleep, like, like turning off the entirety of it so that the whole home isn't embodied or embedded with the electromagnetic frequencies and gets a break from it because it is a stressor on our system and one that we don't it, it's not physically tangible. We, it's not like some, something that we're touching, but it certainly impacts the vitality and the vibrancy of our health and our internal environment. Hmm. Yeah. You know, technology is so embedded in our lives and our, our everyday schedules that it, it's hard to, you know, take a step back and look at it and say, actually, this is emitting, um, 
radioactive waves that are not great for me. I'd like to also talk about uh, COVID and more specifically the news and the doom, gloom, and fear and endlessly increasing numbers. You know, between information shared by the CDC, the WHO, the talking heads on TV, there's not a large conversation or education happening really on how we can actively support our own health and boost our immune systems aside from wearing masks and keeping a six-foot distance from one another. It seems those are our only two options right now. But we need to remember that we have an amazingly resilient and powerful immune system that works to keep us healthy every moment of every day. And there are ways that we can support and boost that immune system naturally that will increase our ability to fight illnesses like COVID. So can you please enlighten us on some basic and practical ways that we can help ourselves stay healthy? Yeah, 100% what I have been preaching since day one is we will never escape microbes. They have been around pathology, bacteria, viruses. They've been around for thousands more years than us humans. They are way smart. We cannot outsmart a microbe. What we can do is utilize the benefit of our brilliant innate intelligence and our internal balanced ecosystem, which hopefully most of us can support. Now, a lot of processed sugar eating can weaken your immune system. It's why I initially started with the five basics, specifically talking about water. Whatever happens when people go to a doctor and they're sick, they say drink lots of fluids, right? Right. Yeah. My mom's a nurse. And whenever we would get sick as kids, uh, we would always have to drink tons of water and Gatorade and all that stuff. All right. So the reason for that is that when you're hydrated, it drowns the pathology. They can't survive in a hydrated environment. They literally drown. And then you, we excrete them out. So stay hydrated and put good quality food in so your ecosystem is balanced. When that happens, your immune system actually works for you in a brilliant way. And that includes people that are immunocompromised. A lot of people that I've seen clinically have been reversed from some of those immunocompromising positions that they've been in just simply by doing the five basics, like to a T. And it's awesome to see that because like type 2 diabetes can be reversed actually relatively easily. It just takes discipline and it takes a choosing, you know, and a system. It's so much easier said than done. And like I said, it's massive addiction, that sugar eating and all that. So it does take a commitment, but it's absolutely doable. So what I would tell people and what I've been preaching is keep your immune system strong. So how do you do that? Vitamin C is amazing. It's an antioxidant. It delivers more oxygen around your body and to the cells of your body. We love that, especially with respiratory illness with COVID-19. Zinc has been proven time and time again with tons of research that I've been doing to prevent and protect your cells and prevent COVID-19 to help you to prevent it. And also it helps people get better from it faster. So I've read that research too. And most of us are deficient in zinc. And sometimes it integrates better when it's coupled with copper. So for some, that's the better way of taking it with like a zinc copper. You'll see some supplements that have zinc and copper together and some that are just zinc. That's okay, but we want to load our system up with zinc. And vitamin D3 is huge, especially I'm living in the Midwest. 
we go through winters and then we never quite build it back up to where it needs to go. But not only that, sunscreen blocks our ability to integrate and utilize vitamin D from the sun. So I tell people, if you live in a sunny environment, give yourself, you know, if you have really sensitive skin, that's fine. I am as white as they come. So I need to protect my skin um, to the best of my ability, but I'm certainly going to give my, my body 20 to 30 minutes of, of sunlight without sunscreen before I start lathering up. And so do it earlier in the morning or do it later in the afternoon when the sun's not quite as strong, that's fine, but give your body that chance to build it up. So if, if you haven't gotten your vitamin D levels checked, they need to be, because if they're not, if your levels are not somewhere between 70 to 90, you don't have that full protection functionally. That's where you want it to be. What this, what your CBC would say is that you're normal. If it's, I think 40, like 40 to a hundred or something, 40 to 90. Once it gets to a hundred, now you're in a toxic zone and you don't want that. It's pretty hard to get there, but some are there. And if, if you're way up there, then you don't need to be supplementing. But if you're in the 40s to 50s, you've got to supplement like five to 10,000 IU a day at a minimum to like really build it up to the, that 70 to 90 range so that you have literal cell protection and it boosts your immune system. So it can prevent all kinds of uh, pathology and, and illness. It's not just about COVID. This is really about, you know, supporting the whole of your immune system for everything. The other thing I would say is that there, there's over a decade of research that talks about antibacterial usage um, and sprays and hand sanitizers and stuff that that actually weakens our immune system. What builds our immune system is, you know, in our back in the day when I was a kid, our parents would put us with the other friends that had chicken pox. So we would get the chicken pox and so we would have immunity to it and we'd have the antibodies for it, right? You would go to the you would go to your preschool or whatever, and every kid had snot all over the place. And that was their, their immune system building up because there were so many new bacterias and different viruses and things that they were constantly being exposed to. And their, their immune system was building up antibodies to protect them later on. And some of the sickest kids become the healthiest adults because they have all these antibodies to all these things. And that's why we want to breastfeed, right? Because we get all these antibodies that mom already built up for us, so to speak. So it's that whole idea of, of you know, having the antibodies and, and having that extra protection. And when we don't expose ourselves to touching anything and we think that we're living in this bubble, the last three to four people that I've found out ended up in the hospital were the ones that actually were living in a bubble, that were masking themselves by themselves in their own car, cleaning everything. And somehow they still ended up with COVID. And actually those are the ones. And I, and I mean, the story repeated itself. It's like, this is so fascinating. They're the ones that never went out. They never touched anything, but it, but I think it really goes to show that I guess we can live in fear all the time. I choose not to, I choose to live my life to the best of my ability and to be mindful the research has been done time and time again that washing your hands is a great way to prevent disease or pathology. So if you've touched some things, maybe don't start wiping your nose and eyes and mouth, you know, and putting your fingers in your mouth until you wash your hands. You wash your hands and you wash them well. That's a great way of keeping your immune system strong. 
um, but still being able to go out and live your life and do your thing. So those are just some simple ways, you know, between the five basics and taking a little extra supplementation. It's an amazing thing. I personally take it you know, 12 steps higher. I believe in really keeping gut health great. So digestive enzymes, a really, really good probiotic. Specifically, I love a sporebiotic. And the difference is that sporebiotics, 99 to 100% get through your stomach lining and get into the small intestine and large intestine really refurbish. So 99% with, we're probiotic, we're lucky if we get three to 5% what's promised on the bottle. And when our microbiome is healthy, Meaning that's like really our first line of defense is from our mouth down through our digestive system. So when our microbiome is balanced, it's fighting against bad bacteria. It's fighting against excessive amounts of yeast. It's really taking care of things for us. It's a big part of our immune system and where that begins. So I support my digestive system in a great way. I also take an immune multi. So something that supports my lymph system because that's your lymphatics, your spleen, and your thymus are also what make up your immune system. So I take a multi that literally supports my immune system specifically for the thymus, the lymph, the spleen, and then it has all these other things that I'm talking about, vitamin D, vitamin C, a little A, um, some B vitamins, um, you know, it's got selenium, it's got zinc, it's got all these different things in there that's going to really support helping your immune system do its very best for you. So the, the name of the game, Glenn, is really giving our body and our system what it needs so it can do what it does best and support us and prevent, you know, illness and injury and all these kinds of things. And when we have those tools and strategies and support to do it, it's like, man, we can't help but to thrive. That's just who we are. Yes. Prevention and preparedness, definitely the best option. I want to take a minute uh, just to be clear to everyone, I am in no way promoting that we not all take the pandemic seriously or become complacent about safety measures or anything like that. What I'm saying is that part of cultivating better internal spaces is to be aware of what we're taking into our minds each day and reflecting on how that stuff is affecting us on a mental, emotional, and spiritual level. So taking into account the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton, do you think that the fear-driven news cycle is actually harming our immune system response by keeping us in a fight-or-flight mode? Absolutely. I'm, I, I just want to reiterate, I am not minimizing. It's legitimate. People are getting sick. It, it, it is happening. And I see so many more sick from the fear these kids that aren't getting connection with their friends, the teenagers, the college kids that aren't able to like live their college life. I cannot even fathom not being able to have the connection, the parting, the experience, the fun, the dancing, the live music that I used to, I mean, that's like what fills my soul. And so the, the panic and anxiety is up exponentially. The suicidal thoughts and tendencies are up. I've never seen this clinically in as many as I'm seeing now. And since day one, chiropractors have been deemed essential because we keep people out of the hospitals, right? We keep people healthier and off opioids and, you know, things like that. So it's so important and it is a choice. And like we've been talking this whole time, everything's energy. So fear has a vibrational frequency 
anger has a vibrational frequency. Love has a vibrational frequency. And the fear that comes from watching the news, I, I was watching it the other day because I really want to see what people are watching all the time. Cause generally I don't, I don't watch the news. It's that's a choice. Um, I learn about everything I need to learn about. I do some reading. Um, I always look from both sides and look at the research because I'm really curious about what people are making decisions upon. Most of the decisions are being made on, on what they hear on the media and it's the same narrative and it's very scary and very, it's really upsetting. I actually, in five minutes, I was like, I don't want to hear this. I, it was so intense. And I thought, gee, this is what I'm hearing all day, every day where people are walking in and sharing these kinds of things. And then, and I saw the hands on where they were finding it and where they were hearing it. And it was all about that. The only answer is going to be this vaccine and putting all of our eggs in one basket. We have a flu vaccine. It doesn't prevent the flu. There's not going to be one, one solution. All we can do is support our internal environment to the best of our ability. That's the only thing we have control over really. And so it's really a matter of gathering tools and information and knowledge, like what you're doing here with this podcast and, you know, what I'm doing every day with in my clinic to armor people with as much as they can shift and change and control so that they can live their life to their best of their ability with more joy and, and more love because the fear does impact and it can absolutely to constantly run in that fight or flight means we're not getting great sleep. If we're not sleeping well, we're not restoring, which means our immune system is, is limited to what it can do for us and so on. And so we begin this degeneration. It's right. We we're in college and we're studying for finals and we get no sleep and we're totally stressed. And what happens the minute finals are over, we get a cold or we get sick, right? It happens all the time. It's, it's like one of the most common things possible. So when we live stressed out, stressed out, stressed out, stressed out, all the, every, day, every day, every day, we crash. Eventually we crash. And how is that prevented with everything that we've discussed today? You know, there are so many ways that you can offer yourself tools and give yourself strategies to start to shift so that you're not setting yourself up to crash. And if that means minimizing how much news you're watching, because every other thing that they have, because what sells is fear, right? In movies, fear and sex, right? That's what sells. So that's what they're going to create more of. And so just be aware of that, you know, maybe watch a Hallmark movie because those are the lovey dovey, you know, like puppies and <laughs> happy lovey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it just makes you happy um, or it helps you cry. And when we feel we heal. Right. So, you know, watch things that allow you to emote and, and move the emotion out instead of pent it up inside of us, because that certainly does not do a service to us in a good way. Yeah, you know, you were talking about the power of sugar addiction earlier. And I think the addiction of social media and the dopamine hits from the likes and the discovery process and constant state of anticipation from the endless scrolling is extremely addicting. And it was designed to be that way. And our reactions to fear can also be extremely addicting. So, Going on a news and social media diet from time to time really benefits us to break those cycles, I think. And maybe it's not just the news and social media, but other forms of entertainment as well. You know, maybe don't play two to four hours of violent video games at a time. Or as you said, maybe watch something uplifting or a comedy or listen to music that is inspiring or calming. You know, after this conversation, 
we now know that it's our responsibility to ensure that we get back to our parasympathetic state so that we can recover. Yeah, I just started a blog. I actually, I'm doing it more as like an email, just email communities called Ignite Your Light. And I've really focused it on ways that we can have more fun in our life, ways that we can structure our life so that we can start our day with a little bit more vibrancy. Because after being in quarantine for as long as people have, really hard to feel motivation. And if you don't feel it, how the heck are you going to structure a day for your kid who's in the same boat and lacks motivation? And, you know, so just finding ways, creative ways to support people to move out of the funk and to move more into our light, our fun, you know? Oh, yeah, that sounds awesome and super helpful. And actually segues perfectly into the final topic I'd like to talk about, which is practical action steps. So one of my goals for this podcast is to make sure that people walk away with useful information that they can integrate into their lives right away. So designing our lives comes down to actually designing our days and our time and learning to be more productive toward positive change. And also about expanding our knowledge and having a community to help us along. So I know you and your colleague, Dr. Abby Kramer, have been working hard on a new program that helps people do just that called the 30-Day Reset Program. So I was wondering if you could walk us through what that is and how we might be able to get involved. Yeah. So as everyone that's listening is is finding out, there's just a lot to digest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of information and how the heck do you start where if you are constantly junk food eating and relying on caffeine, where do you even begin to change? It's overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. And I deal with it day in and day out with patients and friends and family. And you have one conversation and it's not enough to make the measurable changes that are needed to make and have long-term benefit. Dr. Abby was feeling the same. And the other part of it that motivated the why of this 30-day reset is that I only have an opportunity really to do one-on-one work. And I really want to impact and benefit the world. Yeah, of course. I really want to help increase health in people across the world and around the world. So how do I do that? How can I access more people? And obviously the digital platform is huge to do that. So in this way, we're kicking it off. January 11th will be our first module of it. And January 1st, people will have access to it. We haven't, we wanted to make it extremely affordable so that again, to impact more people, the goal isn't to like make this huge money making thing. And we want to take everyone's money, you know, it's to people that can't really afford to come in to see us, you know, as patients or to go to doctors all the time, or they don't even have someone near them that can help with them. We just want to make it affordable and accessible. So it's $77 for the early bird special and that's till December 18th. And then after that, it'll be 97. So still under a hundred dollars. And what's great about it is you'll have access to it for an entire year. And we've broken it down into three modules so that it really, we hold everybody's hand through the whole thing. It's with video and audio, as well as visual components and things that they can read. So we've, we've tried to tap into how everybody learns. And it's everything from recipes, 
grocery lists, meal sample meal plans to lifestyle changes. It's not like a binge detox, cleansing, crash diet. That is not what you're going to find with this 30 day reset. It's truly about finding a balanced way to eat healthfully and to recenter yourself back to you because so many people have lost themselves, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. And so the second aspect is guided meditations, an upper body circuit, a lower body circuit, no equipment is needed. So again, purposefully, we made it really simple. No one needs to go out and buy anything for this other than healthy food um, as we guide that. And what people are going to find is it's actually as affordable, if not sometimes more affordable to be preparing and, and planning your food and your meals than always going out, fast food, you know, things like that. And so teaching people how to work out and exercise the, the appropriate way to prevent injury, how to recover from a workout. Again, we've got videos for that. And then the last portion is how to maintain this as a lifestyle, breaking down supplementation and how one can choose if they need or don't need and, and where to even go to get the good quality stuff because we've done the research on it. And you know some of the stuff you're going to buy at Costco and Walgreens is just not going to have great absorption rates. So now you've just wasted a whole lot of money to get a whole lot of nothing because it's not absorbing in your body. And actually it creates more stress because now your system's got to figure out a way to get rid of all the toxic stuff that, you know, it didn't absorb because it becomes a waste and that's toxic to the system. So how do we move with that? And then it's got recommended materials. It literally breaks this down in a digestible way. And every time someone does it, I think they'll take something else from it. So every quarter they could do the 30 day again, but during those first 30 days, we'll be, uh, live with the docs once a week. There'll be a Facebook, a private Facebook group where people can share and be a community and share recipes and, you know, things that they have concerns or questions and, and really ask, you know, ask us questions, but other people, how they've managed and with different kids and changing their lifestyle and all these different things. So to really have the support in place as well. So those are going to be bonuses for, for folks that are signing up and we're really excited to do it. Wow, that's great. It sounds really comprehensive and really easy to do, actually. Where can they find it online? If you go to my website uh, for my holistic center, beoptimal.com, you can find a page on the 30-day reset. You can click from there to go to it's uh, the platform we're using is Teachable. So you could go there and, and sign up through our website. I think that's probably the easiest way because the URL is like this really long Teachable <laughs> yeah, I know. Links are always this crazy alphabet soup. So we'll have the direct link on our website and on the episode page. Uh, before we go, I also want to mention that you guys have a lot of free resources online through your Be Optimal blog, as well as um, free Facebook live talks called Dinner with the Docs. And Dr. Abby hosts a podcast called Coffee with the Docs. Uh, where she talks about a wide variety of health topics, lots of great advice, lots of great uh, guests on there as well. Um, before we go, I do have one last question for you. It's kind of a question for myself, um, which is how do we promote discipline with ourselves? You know, I get motivated and I start off great, but then life happens, work gets busy, I lose steam. So do you have any advice on how to not do that? <laughs> Yeah, so true. I'm 100% guilty of it too. And 
like when quarantine first started, I was way into the, the class by Taryn Toomey, the class.com. It's a workout. Plyometrics like meets cardio meets mindfulness, you know, yoga, breath work. And after about six months, about five month mark, I was like, wah, wah, I'm not that excited about it anymore. You know, what can I do that's new and exciting again? Um, I start slothing out, you know, and then I feel it. I, you can feel it, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, the biggest thing is setting yourself up for success. And part of what we have integrated into the 30 day reset is literally for that because we do get complacent and bored and unmotivated after the first week or four of doing something new. So, you know, three months of something creates a habit. So while the class doesn't really motivate me that much anymore, changing it up and doing like less mills is a new thing that I'm doing. So changing it up so that you have variety, I think variety matters. I also think doing it with a friend matters because that's how I used to study. That's how I got through my my doctorate. I needed a study probably three times harder than most because I didn't have a huge science background, but I would study with a friend who studied about the same pace as me. And I'd be like, oh, I'm tired. I, I just want to go. And she'd be like, let's just stay one more hour and get through just this chapter. And then after that, I'd be like r- really rocking and rolling. And she'd be like, okay, let's go. And I'd be like, you know what, if we just get through this one other chapter, this one more thing, I think we'll be in really good shape. And so we would keep each other there for the four to five hours that really was necessary to pass these tests and to do all this, to keep up with, you know, 32 to 36 hours per semester of class time. So having a partner keeps you motivated when you're not like you keep each other motivated. So like a check-in buddy, and that goes with having a coach. And I think lining yourself up with a coach or someone that holds you accountable, accountability is key. So sometimes we're, you know, some people are awesome at keeping themselves accountable. That's what they're the best at. And they don't really work in group settings as well. And some of them do, but really it's for them. Like they can't fathom people that don't hold themselves accountable. Those are few and far between, but it does happen. (laughs) And what I would say is accountability is key. So anyone who has a coach, any Olympian, any NBA player, any whatever, if without a coach, they wouldn't do as well. They wouldn't be pushed as hard. They wouldn't be taken to the next level. So, and they wouldn't be held accountable to do that. So with anything that we're doing, I think we need to like, whether we have a friend to hold us accountable or we hire a coach, you're worth the investment for yourself. And I would say that accountability factor will make or break your commitment to creating the habit that's necessary to keep yourself in a space that feels amazing someone that you can call upon to, to light a fire under your butt, you know, when you just can't seem to do it yourself, right? Persistence beats resistance. Right. And I have actually signed up for the 30 day reset myself. So I am excited to learn how I can be helped in that area among many others. So is there anything else you'd like to discuss that we haven't touched on yet? No, I mean, the 30 day reset is there. If people want to be part of our email list, let us know through our website, the ignite your light or just the be optimal list dinner with the doctors happens usually the second Tuesday of the month. And with our Chinese medicine doc for that aspect, usually the fourth Tuesday of the month, that's all on our website, you can register for free. We do have people register through Zoom because on those Zoom calls, you can speak one-on-one with the doc in a small group setting after the talk is over. But then we do do that Facebook and Instagram live so people can catch us, you know, without signing up that way. It's just fun to be able to 
to connect with the docs and and ask questions specifically on maybe something you're concerned about. So our our biggest thing is doctor in Latin means to teach. So we educate first and then treat because knowledge is power and having the tools and the strategies and the support allow for greater success in our health and in owning and taking responsibility for our own life and for our internal as well as our external environment, as you know, which makes all the difference in our vitality and in the joy that we get to experience in our life. Well, that all sounds great. So uh, where can we find you online? Well, my Instagram is D-R-C-A-R-I-J, Dr. Carrie J on Instagram. Uh, so B-E Optimal is also on Instagram and the Optimal Holistic Health Center on Facebook and Dr. Carrie Jacobson, C-A-R-I and Jacobson with an S-O-N. Uh, you can find me on Facebook there. And yeah, I, I look forward to connecting with so many more. And thank you so much for this opportunity to share and converse. And I just love what you're doing. So I'm excited to be part of it. Well, this was an absolute joy for me. Let me tell you, I don't get to nerd out on this stuff much. So thank you so much for taking the time to share what you know, um, for helping people live their absolute best lives. And for supporting what we're doing here. Yeah, take care everyone, be well. Man, I'm so glad we were able to have this conversation and that I can share it with you all. You know, there was a ton of excellent and useful information, way more than I was even anticipating covering. So yay for that. And I really hope you found something you can grab onto and use in at least one area of your life. Um, if you're interested in signing up for the 30-Day Reset Program, uh, please use my affiliate link in the description for this podcast or on the episode page at homeospaces.org. I do get a small commission for anyone that signs up through that link, so I really appreciate it as every penny goes back into making the show and the website happen. Uh, special thanks to Kato and Creative Soundscapes for providing the intro and outro music for this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in 2021.